This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from the SJM universe, sex education, and Buffy, with mentions of Jennifer's body, Romeo and Michelle, and my so-called life. For full list, please see show notes. And welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the fantasy literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing something very special to Akafe that is female friendships. This episode has uh, been a long time coming, don't you think, Jess? I think so. And I think. You know, full transparency, we're probably we're still kind of in our book hangover era um, since reading Hofas. And we also had our discussion about talking about book hangovers and, and and like, how do you get out of them? What do you like to visit or revisit? And what better time to revisit female friendships, which is all the time. But like, that's so important to us here on the podcast. So it has been a long time coming. It has. And consistency is something that Akafe loves as well. And we have been talking about female friendships for a long time for, you know, honestly, Jess, one of my favorite memories on Akafe is when you disliked Lysandra and then oh! <laughs> and then slowly you just waiting. You must have been just waiting. You're like, she doesn't even know what she doesn't know yet, because that's my girl. Yep, it was it was beautiful, but but that yeah, I was so against her. I was talking so much shit, and I'm telling you, looking back on those, like if it, when we go back on our video of it all, your poker face, you should be a world champion because you just let me lean into it, and then I think I started shifting a little bit with <laughs> no pun intended, um, with Caltain. I'm like. I'm, I think I'm going to like Lysandra and I love her. She is that girl. And, and how great, how nice it was to, to see the sisterhood grow between them and the camaraderie and like putting all their shit aside. Like, and, but at the same time, acknowledging they were kind of terrible to each other too. Like it wasn't like, a, Oh, it's water under the bridge. Like they owned up to both of their, both of their things and then they were like but let's move forward because we've actually gone through the same stuff together right because they they basically grew up together in a weird kind of twisted way which is how i want to start this episode i'm not trauma dumping i told you i'm sorry i'm not going to but i will (laughs) i will for both of us but i i thought it might be interesting to talk about the first kind of time where you felt included in a female friendship group and then the first time that you felt excluded by a female friendship group and i just want to share very briefly mine because it's the same group of people it's very quick and it is my middle school bullies uh became my high school bullies but first they were my middle school best friends and isn't (sighs) that pipeline (laughs) isn't that how it goes so here's very quickly what happened 
I moved from a northern state to a southern state, and I was very different. I was a new kid. These kids had been together since they were very young. It was like novelty. This is all what I've come to understand later. (laughs) And I became very fast friends with these people. But I was also very friendly with the first group of people that were friendly to me like day one. Do you know what I mean? There was like day one people that were very nice. And then there were the popular people that kind of just like took me under their wing. But I was still very friendly to these other people. Okay. So that is the situation. So I was very like happy to be included with these girls that had been friends for a really long time, right? They had this this like way of being with each other. They had these traditions. Their like families were friends with each other. They had um this they also had, I want to say, older siblings too. So there was this era or like aura of cool around these girls. Let's remember, uh, I want to say, let's give it an age, age 10. Let's just call mm-hmm. it, let's, let's just call it age 10. So young. So, you know, these girls had older siblings. It was cool. We'd go to their house. They were there. It was cool. Right, right, right. Okay. Fast forward, not very long. And I wanted to invite these other girls, the girls that were friends with me from like day one to a sporting event. And we were all ready to go. And then I come to school the next day and these girls are like, no, we can't go with you. And they like canceled on me at school in the morning. And I was flabbergasted. I was blindsided. I had absolutely no idea. So I finally like got myself together and I was like, why? Why? And they're like, oh, you're very good about confrontation. And I feel like that's so hard, especially at a young age with these girls, with your friends. And I, and I feel like people look at confrontation and think that word as a negative thing. But I, it takes a lot to say, like, why my feelings are hurt? Because there's a vulnerability there when you are confronting any situation. This is all, you know. Thank you. And look how like you're welcome, but like you're you're like you said, like you're young. You've been friends with them, and there's I don't think people talk about that side of confrontation that often. Well, the rumor that these girls had started was that I had called all of these other girls like ugly poor bitches, which I had not. I categorically I had not, and I was so shocked by this lie. This was the first. This is why I'm saying this. This was the first time that I had experienced like. Betray, like female betrayal because like that's what it is that's what it felt like like I was just so blindsided by this I just did not think that this was a feeling because it's like this gutted feeling that you have like everything's been pulled out from underneath you but also like you had shared things with these girls the yeah. you know like uh, you had learned things, you have these like secrets, you know, you'd been in their rooms, like, and that's part of girlhood too, is like hanging out in each other's rooms. There's like an intimacy there. And, and see, you just I just unlocked something that I'm going to share. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that was suppressed. Continue. And, and that, so that kind of hurt what was really something. And so from that point on, I had to repair this relationship with these girls that never really got better over something that I did not say or do. And then this friendship that I had had with these girls was gone and it never recovered. And these girls then became my eighth grade and then high school. And then probably if I saw them now, 
my bullies. And it is just really wild and so incredibly hurtful because alphabetically, I had one of them on top of me for lockers. Like your lockers? Our lockers. uh, All four years. So that was hell. So you couldn't even have like, you know what? Here are my boundaries. I'm going to separate myself from the situation because it's in your face the entire time. I also sat behind her in homeroom. I also and had been doing this forever because our names were one letter apart. So it was it was intense. And it was not until I found I and I went through this twice in high school. I went through one group of friends in high school and then I had another group of friends towards the end. And it wasn't until that happened where I really started to feel a little bit more comfortable and safe because safety was something that I had taken from me. And I know that sounds dramatic, but like that feeling of, of, um, te- like, well, the betrayal was there, but the betrayal was there. But I just read an article about this where uh, in times of crisis, women uh, have this this new instinct, or not new instinct, but scientists have found this new instinct that women do, and they've classified it as tending and befriending other women. And that um, uh, produces oxytocin and is released, and it, you know, uh, counters all of our stress and that camaraderie with other women, right? So it wasn't until I found that again that I felt safe. And here's the thing. I have had friendship betrayals since then. And it fucking sucks every single time. Absolutely. Especially, especially when you think of what are the things that we're taught growing up? Your friends are always going to be there for you. You can be in and out of romantic relationships, but it's like girlhood and sisterhood and your female friendships that are going to be there for you. So when those friendships, when I mean, they crumble, sometimes those feel worse than a romantic breakup because our entire life society tells us and our not just society like our parents everybody who as we're taught growing up is don't put all your you know don't put everything into your romantic relationships they might not be there but it's your friends who will so when when that betrayal is there it's gut punching and then when it keeps happening because you keep trying to create that Create and find and search for a found family outside of your family with people who you see more than your own family, especially during your formative years. It's going to get you every time and not just in your formative years. That shit's still happening in the workplace when you get older, in your 20s, in your 30s, and it continues to happen. So it you hope you get to a place where you're like, we always talk about like red flags with like, romantic partners, but maybe we need to also start looking for red flags and and friends too. Well, you make a really good point because I just unlocked a memory of one of these girls when we were friends. I spent the night at her house a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And we would just like do random things. Her mom would give us like random things to do, like fun activities or whatever. And one of them was like fill out like friendship sheets about each other and like pass them back, you know, like ha 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 ha. And one of the things that one of the questions was was what's um what is something about your friend that she doesn't know 
and she wrote, she's insecure. She wrote that about you? About me. We were children. We were children. Why would she even know that? That, well, I mean. Well, I mean, we had that conversation. That stayed with me. Well, until now, obviously. (laughs) Until now. But, like, what a thing, right? Yeah. And especially middle school is just so hard anyway. It is so hard. But then you... Well, you were talking about friendship red flags. That was one of them. That was one of them. But I was a child. You know, like you're a child. What are you going to do? Yeah, especially. And I feel like you don't talk about insecurity initially. You start talking maybe about it in middle school. Like, oh, that, you know, but to say it to like, and even if you are, I feel like that's just like, I think we were talking about it maybe in a previous episode. Maybe we haven't recorded it yet. Oh, I know which episode we haven't. It's recorded. We don't have it yet. But it's like somebody calling you out on the like think something you think about yourself, and you're like, "Oh, I I thought I was the only one, but now to see that you think that about me too, it like it it, it hits you twice as hard." It does. It really does hit you twice as hard, and it comes to. to trust right because that is trust and like intimacy and and just like the core foundations of friendship is something that everyone i think is like striving for and to have one of those pillars trust be knocked down so early it is hard to rebuild it especially when there just are a lot of examples of women being pitted against women and growing. And it's exacerbated in the media, especially when we were growing up. And you see it a little bit less now. Um, not saying that it's not there, but in an era where we were growing up, it, it was, I mean, there was a, that was a plot and a storyline and so many things is well, female betrayal and female and like cattiness. Let, well, Jess, you have told me because friends learn new things about each other all the time. <laughs> and it is not weird to keep learning about your friend. Uh, I learned today that you had never seen Gem and the Holograms. So one of the storylines in Gem and the Holograms is two girl groups, girl bands, like battling against each other. <laughs> right. Like I, it sounds silly, but they're really into it. They're very passionate. Like it didn't have to be that like a like a talent show kind of battle or they were like really like InSync versus Backstreet Boy kind of against each other. Um, InSync versus Backstreet Boys against each other. Throw in some Phantom of the Opera stunts. Okay. Like, like sandbags falling in rehearsal. and <gasps> Oh, damn. Yeah, so you know, a lot, a lot more uh, murder, sabotage, houses burning down with everyone inside of it type situation. Uh, very dramatic. Uh, serious. Yeah, it was very serious. Uh, so that was kind of one of the first, first things that I was exposed to uh, when it comes to like female friendships. But then you know, there's always a counterexample. We've got Sailor Moon, and Sailor Moon is just the, I mean. What what can you do? But if you want to talk about female friendships when we're young, now and then, now and then is a movie that I've seen a thousand times. Jess, what about you? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I haven't seen it in years, years. Um, but I remember like that was a movie that was on repeat when I was younger all the time. It was just and you loved that friendship. And then especially 
like you loved their friendship when they were young in the flashbacks and then even in like quote unquote present day. I can't remember if like they hadn't talked to each other as regularly, but like one person was like sent out an SOS, I think, and they were all there. And I think that's something that we all really try to strive for in these, you know, the growing pains of finding a circle if you find a circle or group or whatever you want to call it. If you find a circle, Jess, that's so funny. One of my examples here is Pretty Little Liars. Pretty Little Liars. What a friendship group. (laughs) <laughs> what 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 a criminal friendship group uh, you know that's also a book so i i stumbled across this cuz let me tell you uh, i did the research today i i deep dive i was on reddit i i have the i have the ucla article i'm good to go i really loved finding all of these random examples of things that i haven't thought of in this context. Pretty Little Liars. What the shit? <laughs> you want to talk about toxic you friends? You know what? Yeah, toxic friends, but toxic romantic partners your teacher Ooh. fucking knew was grooming you the whole fucking time. The whole time. The whole I'm, time. I'm still more like, that's something that I still... And I remember, I remember, I think we all remember... I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. I remember thinking, oh, wow, Ezra... He's so cute. He didn't know till you get to the flashback scene. He knew. No, not even the flashback scene. He fucking knew he was stalking her and he knew. I think that's when I was like, "Uh, I don't, uh, I feel really, really gross watching this. Um, And I also had a, a teacher in high school who had a crush on one of my friends. So like that was like, ooh, it's weird. They were ride or die, but they were. Like, were if they didn't have to hide the secret, would they be as close as they were? Or is it really a situation of you have no choice but to stay friends with us because we know your dirty secret? Well, that's a trauma bond, right? So what I want to bring up is the found families that, Jess, I think you and I are exposed to a lot. A lot of those found families are just intense trauma bonds, right? In a situation. And it is tough then to kind of separate it and to be like, huh, no, yeah, okay. But I think a good example of this is like an old school one and, and Buffy, right? Because but like, would you say that they were trauma bonded? Well, what I would say that trauma brought them all together i would because the uh, vampires brought them all together yeah in one way or another the trauma of vampires and finding out about the supernatural life brought them together but you can't argue and say that that's not a found family i mean fuck you xander but like yeah willow willow and buffy like that is a very good solid complicated emotional deep female friendship yeah, I love that it there it's it's layered because it's one of the first things that I remember seeing in media mm-hmm. that shows the complexity of a, a female friendship and it's not a linear thing either. Well, and you bring me to my next point which is Cordelia. Cordelia in 
uh, Buffy, she is the mean girl, right? Yeah. She's she's the mean girl. She's like the the counter to Buffy. She's setting up everything. But then we get that episode where she says that she's lonely in a crowd. We get the character development and we see that there is more there. And then she is eventually like brought into the fold. And I think that kind of really shows that female friendship doesn't, as you say, have to be like this linear thing. Like it can kind you can kind of like, you know, circle around each other a little bit, which I think is very fun. But you can also um, be, <laughs> I say this, um, you can be, <laughs> uh, share Dion and I love that we have the same the same things because I'm like check. Well, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Well, I mean, they don't have a trauma bond. They have Mm-mm. a similarity in the lifestyle that they were brought up with. They went to the same school. They ran in the same circles. Um, and there's something so like they had each other's backs. And then they then you like that they brought Ty into the fold as the new girl who, you you know, Ty just comes in. She's like, yeah, I'm here for, you know, I'm here from New York and L.A. And they're like, we're going to show you the ropes. We're we are the girls that you want to, like, be on your side. Um, And Ty lets her little popularity get to her head a little bit um, and says some mean things to share. And Dion has her back right then and there, too. And Ty has to come running back tail between her legs saying i fucked up mm-hmm. you're a virgin who can't drive yeah like there again there are layers and and a sense of ownership in our actions and apologizing is huge apologizing is something that doesn't come up i don't think in in media no in, until i would think like uh, I have a note here, like the sweetest thing, you know, like that's just a fantastic movie. There's a lot of I love the sweetest thing, right? Or like the first wives club. There's a lot of like, re- I mean, that's like a revenge ownership, you know, girl power mm-hmm. type movie. But it's also just like um, kind of owning every situation and taking responsibility, moving on. And leaning on the support of your friends to build a new life. Yeah. Well, and and to add on to that, I feel like Sex in the City, like, again, maturing is realizing that Carrie is a shitty friend. Yes. But but like if you look and if you look back on when the first when the show first started, the series happened, the movies happened at that point in time. And we talk about time capsule things. They were all about they they all had arguments. They caught like they didn't necessarily call each other out on their ship, but they were very judgmental towards each other. But at the same time, they would work things out. They would communicate. They would apologize. They would take ownership for what they did again, albeit maturing is when Carrie's the shitty friend. And at the end of that, at the end of the series, in during the series, it's always guys come and go. Uh Maybe we're each other's soulmates and guys are just these fun things that, you know, just these things we have fun with. I mean, you have Big at one point asking the friend group, the found family that Carrie created for herself, asking them for permission 
uh, to Mary Carey and they were just like, go get our girl. Like, we're giving you permission, but rest assured, she's ours. And I feel like those foundational things um, are still what keeps sex in the city a part of today's conversation. Even the shitty reboot. People hate the reboot, but we can't stop watching it because we because, again, Female friendships are so complicated and it's not linear. Samantha's out of the picture. I need a whole Samantha series. But like things get tricky. Things get sticky. And because life isn't perfect. That was so good. That that was that was really excellent. <laughs> um I have, Jess, you were talking about like friendship isn't linear. You know, things aren't always perfect. I have this really fantastic quote from an article that I was reading that says um, studies show that the average female friendship lasts 16 years, which is six years longer than the average romantic relationship. Once female, well, I would say, uh, once we as women turn 55, our female friendships on average last 23 years. So that is, that is very, very interesting here. Huh. And, it is. Then, You're going to share the article, right? Because I want to read this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I will show you, again, uh, this article from UCLA. And the key takeaways of this article that we're talking about, and we're talking about female friendship. Don't worry, I have not lost the plot. Um, the strength <laughs> of female, female relationships. Um, female relationships help integrate social networks so that you are able as a female to survive longer. Okay. This goes back to the tend and befriend women, right? You have your group together, right? And for this, you help each other. You, let's see, uh, social interactions are helpful for you because they include giving and receiving, grooming, foraging nearby. This is all on monkeys and helping each other in conflicts by fighting and, um, sticking up for your other females in the group, right? So like even at this level. And then um, there is this really absolutely fantastic point that in this article, this UCLA article about um, female social situations in monkeys, the researcher observed... Monkeys are ride or die. <laughs> no, that they involve... Risky or uncomfortable elements such as poking a finger into a friend's eye socket to <laughs> test the quality of the friendship. What? Can I poke you in the eye this weekend? Do what? To see if I'm mad at you? Are you mad at me? <laughs> like, Are you no, mad at me? Like, what is the point of, of testing the friend? They're like, if you're a real friend, you'd get mad at me. Like, I'm trying to understand this eye poking thing. Well, you know, honestly. Like, am I a true friend? Will you not get mad at me if I poke you in the eye? I don't speak monkey, so I don't know what the context is. I know. Isn't it just, like, so crazy? <laughs> like, but but here's here's the thing, right? So the, this other study that I'm referencing, they were talking about how stress levels and stress levels impacts on the body um, were only measured on men for years and years and years and years and years. And With every, but this isn't the only this isn't the only thing oh, that they've yeah. done. Like we're finding more and more. This is just like the sleep study where you find out that eight hour the, the eight hours of sleep actually only came from a study only done on men when. If you they revisited the study and women need on average 10 
Mm-hmm. Yep. It is. It is just like really, really interesting. So you you have at this like fundamental level this need for female interaction and and community and friendship and socialization and it is proven that when you have this you like live longer and that you know you are happier and more fulfilled when you have this um and yet and yet we test our friends even at this fundamental level we test them for what loyalty for patience for love you know i guess you can say that everyone just wants unconditional love and acceptance right at yeah. our base enemy and like what instead of enemies to lovers enemies to friends friends to any it's that's so wild mm-hmm. and to see like would you still love me if i poked you in the eye yeah which is which is really wild wild wild, wild shit but i guess it is true that there is a level to female friendships that they can be incredibly intense and they can be like borderline romantic if you look at it on paper and your intensity, your intimacy is really something that should be explored, I think. Well, and it's it's interesting you say that because like you said, the intimacy and and from an external point of view, because what what is it like you see people say like, are you really best friends with your best friend if there isn't a rumor going around that you two are lesbians with each other? Or like you see it all the time. You still see it. Like I feel like that's kind of the haha joke that we all put. I, I, I don't know if we're trying to beat the punchline. Um, and I feel like the that was the punchline at a certain point in time when people didn't openly talk about like sapphic relationships or that it was acceptable to be open about it i mean in some areas that still is the case um but i feel like again this goes back to a a definition that society puts on like a stigma that society puts on certain words like we were talking about confrontation earlier um intimacy relationships like i think didn't i think jillian Anderson released something about like the top five things that she learned in life that she was giving like her top five life less life lessons. And she talks about her f- female friendships, the camaraderie, um, the intimacy, the depth of which they should go. And it doesn't have to be this surface level thing. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be a surface level thing. And I think I'm looking at all of my book examples of female friends and best friends, and they are all very deep. Yeah, and we're so quick to like any female friendship that is not surface level and is deep. There we're so quick to be like, oh, there there has to be some sort of uh underlying like sapphic relation going on there or at the very least by. Mhm. Yeah, which which, you know, I'm going to mention Harley and Ivy because they do end up dating, but they are best friends first. So I think that that is kind of an interesting road to like the road that's traveled in the conversation is like that can also happen. Well, but what about Jennifer's body too? That is exactly where I was going to go. Get the fuck <laughs> out of my head. Get the fuck out of my head. Tell me about it. Well, I mean, Jesus, you- that was weird. 
<laughs> you have the. I mean, the relationship between uh, Needy and Jennifer, they were just so close together. They grew up together. They were best friends. I mean, they definitely experimented with each other because at one point, even when Jennifer was possessed by the demon, she still had a love so strong for Needy that she was trying to say, like, come on, Needy. Let's play boyfriend and girlfriend like we used to. Like, she was in love with Needy. And Needy was like, "Mm, maybe at one point in my life, but not now. Well, that's a really, really great way to pivot and talk about Bryce and Danica. Don't you think so? Because there is the line that they did hook up with all those. Oh, at Dramati, were they three? Oh, the the jockey? The jockey, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I forgot. Wait, that was mentioned in Earth and Blood, right? I think so, yeah. I think so. Well, okay. I I don't know where to start because I feel like I started getting on a soapbox during the end of our HoFast episode. Um, I'm very passionate about their their friendship and their relationship uh, because people shit on it so much. And I just... I get frustrated when people say... And I'll... And and if you didn't listen to our HoFast episode, um, I'll... I'll repeat it here. I think people are so quick to judge Danica, but there is a hypocrisy that you don't know. Like, everybody just wants to say, like, oh, she's hiding her secrets. She didn't tell her best friend everything. Every best friend has a different dynamic. And because you have an idea of what a best friend should be or whatever your relationship with your best friend is that automatically should be mirrored in the best friend ship that was Danica and Bryce. And I'm going to read something from the bonus chapter. Laura, did you want to read? I know you have the bonus chapter. Did you want to reading it or no? Not yet. Not yet, actually. No. Okay. Well, I know I'm not spoiling it because, well, you're not earmuffs if you are. So the Bryce bonus chapter is the night before it's the night uh, Bryce gets her tattoo. And they're drunk. They're high. They're doing all the things. And Danica is basically saying, you know, Bryce is getting inked. And Danica winks up Bryce and says, we're best friends after all. And Bryce is drunk. And she's like, best, 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 best friends. And Danica kissed her forehead. And she says, always. Uh, no matter what, Bryce closed her eyes, humming to herself. Danica's voice was soft. No matter what, Bryce opened her eyes at the softness of Danica's. Hey, what's all that about? Were those tears in Danica's gaze? Danica just winked th- uh, winked again, though. I love you, B. You know that? There is no one else who would put up with me or go along with me through all of our craziness. And Bryce says, I believe the term what uh, other people use is bad influence. And she's like, no, you're the good in my life. And Bryce is like, right back at you. And they have this beautiful moment and i just and then you flash forward to like ho fast and Baxian's like spilling stuff to hunt being like you're you know they're going back and forth and hunt's like you are a worthy mate of danica and Baxian's also talking to bryce saying you were so lucky to have this unconditional love with each other so i'm just curious and laura please like interject whenever because i know you're team danica too why is there a hypocrisy? Because that we have other female characters that have very similar personality traits, but they're not 
there's not a visceral reaction of hate towards them. Or maybe we don't have it. Like, maybe this is just food for thought. Yeah, I I think it's excellent food for thought. I would love to know what people think. I think me, I, me, I think, yeah, (laughs) I think that she's, Danica's dead. Danica's dead. And we do not have pages of her explanation. We did not get any sort of reunion where we could just clear the air and, and just have that moment of where are the, where are allies, Aelin? Like, where is it? What is going on? Like, just tell me. Um, We don't have that. We never have gotten it. So, and we won't get it. And and even at the end of HOFAS, I feel like Sarah kind of drives in the point, like, there is no ill will between any of them. Yeah. Everybody's like, we'll see you when you die. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we'll we'll see you. Like, you know, the hob is there. It's, it's, It's a whole moment. And and I think it's just like the lack of explanation and like the fact that people are uncomfortable that friends can have a life, hobbies and secrets outside of your friendship. And, and I think maybe that's part of fantasy and being like, well, I don't want a friend that has secrets. That's not why I'm reading fantasy. And like, yeah, that's fair. I've not wanted to read fantasy for way less than that. But I mean, like way, way less. <laughs> But but again, it's not fucking fair. But in the same vein, I also think that the people that care, care a lot. And the people that don't care, care at all. Right? Because I have been on record, I think, saying in HOSAB that it is better if we reshape our thinking of Danica as a spy and like a double agent than as a best friend because that a best friend is not her primary identity. Her primary identity, as it turns out, was a fucking double agent spy. And the friendship part, which was presented to us as the main story, was not Danica's main story. And I think that goes back to that you can be a whole person by yourself, right? Um, But... Also, that it is okay to not tell your friends everything. Maybe not in this specific case. Maybe we tell people a little bit more clearly. (laughs) Um, But in general, I think. There, I'm off my soapbox. No, I love love that you had... I think because I don't think people... There are some people who don't know how to have the constructive conversation surrounding Danica specifically just yet. And again, like everybody's really, really passionate about it. Like, like I think the people who love Danica and like want to fight for her and want to fight for that friendship and what that friendship meant. And then there was the other conversations of Bryce was a best friend to Danica. It might not have been reciprocated. And Danica's had completely different priorities than what was going. Cause I know you have said this. Um, her priorities were completely different than what Bryce had going on during that time. Look at everything that Danica was uncovering while Bryce is doing synth in the bathroom. Well, and to that, Danica's priorities had been different for a long time. Since you could say since before Bryce. 
Yeah, she, I mean, she had her, she, her legacy, her, yeah, if it, that's the best way. She had her legacy. She had a, she had, and she loved her wolf pack. That was never Bryce. Bryce hated the Fae because, and a lot of it had to do with her own specific situation and how they've treated her mom and her. I mean, yes, all of that. So like her relationship with her people was very different than what, what Danica's responsibilities that were coming up to be to be a prime. Yeah. And and in the same kind of road as that, Fury had her own thing and Juniper had her own thing. Bryce is the only one who didn't at in the beginning at that time. She didn't. She had like, you know, bullshit work at the gallery where it was clear and has been stated that she did not work very much or very hard. That's canon. That's on paper. <laughs> that is on paper and on video for Yeah. <laughs> so like, damn. But yeah, it and you know, you want to talk about bad friends. That's the worst thing I've ever done. Shut up, Juniper. No, it's not. People are dying. There are people that are dying, Kim. Yeah, just Jimmer. like enough, enough, enough. It is, it is just really silly because then if you because then I mean, pivoting just away from Danica, if you want to keep talking about female friendships here, you have then the 13 being a very like different example of kind of the same thing of what we're saying. Like Manon's had responsibilities since birth, right? She has been isolated and protected and trained a certain way since she was born. The 13 or, you know, the rest of the 13 have their own shit going on. I mean, come on, we have a whole other storyline, like a whole other storyline with a child. So it is it is just and and nothing about that or that reveal that Manon has with her in the field uh, with the belly and you know none of that diminishes their friendship that makes them stronger, right? A perfect example. So why the hypocrisy? Like, why is it okay for A but not B? Exactly. Why is it okay for A and not B? It is strange. Now, we know that there are a lot of people that don't like Aelin. We know this. We know... You told me that when I first started reading or after you were, like, trying to see where I laid with Aelin. And I was like, why? Absolutely why? I don't see it. How? But... You told me, uh, in not so many words, what did you say? You said, it takes a very specific type of person to love and appreciate Aelin. Yes, and it is a very specific type of person that does not like Aelin. And that is just what it is. I mean, you know. But Aelin is alive, thriving, and happy, you know, with all of her friends these other examples are dead. Danica's dead. The rest of the 13 is dead. Like we, we don't have more of that, which is a thing in and of itself because there is an isolation with killing off your female friends. We have talked about it several times in um, the Crescent City series where Bryce just gets like cut away from all of her female friends until she is literally in a cave surrounded by men in like several 
times. <laughs> it's only at the very last book that we have our little, you know, Sathya's Sathya. in there. Like, hello, I'm here too. There's two of us. Um, and I, 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 and she do- has the line. Bryce says the line. She's like, oh, finally. Like it was getting a little like stuffy in here with all these alpha holes. Yeah. It's just like, why did it take so long? You know, but I think just to pivot again, Jess, I have told you that I, in my book slump, and I have told everybody listening, that I have started rereading The Mortal Instruments. And damn, let me tell you, um, perspective is key there because when you don't love what you've been reading and you go there knowing it's not excellent and it hits really hard, you're like, woo time to maybe readjust what I've been reading. But what I have noticed again, is the beautiful creation of the friendship between Clary and Isabel. Because both of them go from only having boy best friends or brothers to being around each other all of the time and really getting to know each other and appreciate each other. And Isabel specifically in her dialogue, realizing that Clary is not a competition and that it actually is comforting to be around another girl that isn't her mother, which I thought was very key because her mother, this is in shadow hunters, the mortal instruments. Uh, I believe this is book five. Um, Isabel is saying that her mother confessed to her when she was very young that her father had had an affair and that it was important that Isabel never trust men. And Isabel was very young when she heard that and she carries that deep within her that it is hard for her to trust men and because this happened, hard for her to befriend and trust women because she thinks that they will come in and take Take. from her. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I remember that. But Mm -hmm. again, perspective, reread, and discussions that have happened. Yeah, it's it's really, really lovely. And to watch Simon go from, you know, his childhood crush on Clary to realizing it's not that kind of love. It's a platonic love. And then realizing that he is, in fact, in love with Isabel and having Isabel kind of realize that he de- he loves Clary platonically and accept that and accept that they are best friends because the existence and acceptance of an actual platonic best friend male and female pairing is rare i think i think that's kind of rare to be explored in you know media yeah. they always end up falling for each other yeah, I mean, they. Ha- I mean, it's a whole trope. The friends mm-hmm. to lover trope is a whole genre. Yep, it's a whole genre. It's a whole trope. It is not one that I like. Oh my god, I dislike it. I dislike it. Which is why I very much enjoy the friendship between Katniss and Finnick. I really love that friendship. I like how it's explored in the books. We see a little bit of it in the movies as well. His protectiveness of her and their respect for each other. That is really lovely. And a good depiction. It's been so long since I've watched it. We have to watch it again for one of our episodes. Oh, well, that's very exciting. I cannot wait. And also, I, I really do want to touch on both Cordelia and Lucy and both Emma and Christina, since I'm stuck in my Shadow Hunters rut. Okay. Like, these two pairings of friends. Oh, I love Cordelia. And Lucy. Just, I love them. I love the Shadow Hunter female friendships we get. 
Yeah, they're just really wonderful. And just as you said, they're not just friendships. They are then um, parabatai, which is like a bond closer than you could say um, friendship and family almost. It is like a soul connection. And then I have what I'm doing here is I'm using this to talk about this. I have here um, an excerpt from A Mind of Her Own, The Evolutionary Psychology of Women by author Anna Campbell. She suggests that the friendships women develop with one another mimic the close communal relationships normally found between blood relatives with a strong focus on empathy and responsiveness to others' needs. And that is... Adding all of these to my TBR. Just so true and so lovely. Well, and I want to, to bounce off of that real quick. I, I want to add a, a miniature spiel, if you will, um, that Beyonce sampled in Flawless, and it was from a TED Talk with uh, Chimamanda Adichie. And I'm just going to read the whole thing because I feel like it ties a lot of these things so far that we've been discussing. Um, and she says... We teach girls to shrink themselves to make themselves smaller. We say to girls, you can have ambition, but not too much. You could, you should aim to be successful, but not too successful. Otherwise, you will threaten the man. Because I am female, I'm expected to aspire to marriage. I'm expected to make my life choices, always keeping in mind that marriage is the most important. Now, marriage can be a source of joy and love and mutual support. But why do we teach girls to aspire to marriage and we don't teach boys to do the same? We raise girls to each other as competitors, not for jobs or for accomplishments accomplishments, which I think can be a good thing, but for the attention of men. We teach girls that they cannot be sexual beings in the way that boys are. Feminist, the person who believes in the social, political, and economic equality of the sexes. Boom. I think a lovely pivot from that is the bus scene in sex education. (sighs) How can you talk about female friendships without that scene. I was on the subway thinking of that scene the other day. Tell me about that scene, Jess. So one of the girls in sex education is being har- not even harassed. She's being assaulted she on the assaulted. bus. And she's feeling, you know, she's, you know, the way society is, she's starting to blame herself. She's thinking it's about herself. She she stops taking public transportation. She's taking forever to meet up with her friends, go in there like realizing something's up with her and she finally tells them and they rally behind her they do like a like a smash room of sorts in a junkyard but more importantly she finally gets the courage to go on to the bus go to take the bus to get to school one day and all of her friends are there with her and they're all waiting on the bus already for her to get on and i mean if female friendship is important to you, I can't imagine that scene not making you emotional in one way or the other. Yeah, you could, you, you're saying emotional. You can say ugly cry because that's... <laughs> I'm for trying to be cry. I'm trying to be kind because I feel like I cry at a lot of stuff. And I'm like, maybe emotional is a better word because not everybody ugly cries with us. Ooh, that, that's an ugly cry. That scene is an ugly cry. My goodness. I am looking at my list of things to hit. And let me tell you... A perfect example of female friendship, Romeo and Michelle, done, covered. Also, an interesting take on female friendship, The Craft. Yeah. 
done, covered. <laughs> You're like, we've done this one, we've done this one. I mean, Romeo and Michelle isn't out yet, but we haven't recorded. <laughs> and also, one I just want to touch on, uh, you know, before we wrap, because we don't need to drag this, but I want to talk about the Valkyries. Nesta. Ooh, you're going to talk about one group. I wanted to talk about another. Continue. All right. I want, yeah, I want to talk about the Valkyries. So we're talking now. Okay. Now, if you know me, Laura Marie, then you know that I have come (laughs) a long way with Nesta, but that I still kind of stick on Nesta's, I guess, feelings about the Valkyries as a replacement sisterhood for her sisters. I've been transparent about that. I find it a little ick. Maybe ick. Is it because she didn't, you don't feel like she tried with her sisters? Because I feel like, yes. Like if she had tried or she had like made some sort of effort, Mm -hmm. then it would have been like, look, not everybody is going to have that, you know, the friendship that some other people have with their sisters. Exactly. And at the end of Silver Flames, like there is a little bit of bonding there. So, you know, who knows what they're doing now? Well, even in and hope fast, like mm-hmm. as is when when Nesta has to take the mask off, as is like your sisters are at home. Like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, the fact that he felt comfortable enough to like help say their names to help bring her out of it, I think also shows she's probably come a long way. And even in one of the bonus chapters, I think there was insight into Reese's like, wait till your sister gets here. And she's like, mm, Farrah just, Farrah agrees with me. So I don't need to wait for shit. <laughs> like, yep. So I, I think it's just, it's just interesting and it shows Nesta's like growth too. And also our growth as a reader because she, she takes these girls and I say girls, she takes these women and she makes them her found family while also not exactly fixing her actual family, but kind of getting there in the end where everybody is like palating, you know, everything is palatable. So that's good. That's good. But the, benefit of the Valkyries to Emery and Gwen, I think is a part of the story that is talked about, but not talked about as much as Nesta, obviously, because Nesta was the the main character there. But the work and the camaraderie and the common goal and the sisterhood that formed there for Gwen and Emery is very beautiful because they honestly, risked more coming there. They risked more scorn. They had to deal with more. Their lives are arguably more traumatic than Nesta's, arguably. And they find such comfort together, especially when they have the sleepover, that that is the sharing of the room. It is the intimacy of girlhood. It is the friendship and the bonding that none of them had growing up. No, Emery was isolated for being a a female amongst the Illyrians. Gwen has her trauma and even in a way being isolated in the library as she is one of the more social priestesses. And I I think we've talked about even revisiting Akasif and maybe even the original one, our original Akasif episode is when Nesta was upset. She just needed to get away from the House of Wind. She is taken to Emery and 
Gwen finds out about it and she was like, my sisterhood, my friends, like all of my shit can be put aside. You need me here right now. Mm -hmm. And that is such a beautiful, special moment and also shows such great strength. And it does take, I think, a fair amount of strength to be in a sisterhood of women because you are there supporting each other. And it is hard uh, to be out there in the world. The world is hard. No, I absolutely agree. And I feel like to to piggyback off of that, I think I want to talk about a double standard that's also based on friendship and female friendship specifically is the conversation between and I've seen this on social. So I'm not like pulling this out of my ass. The conversation of the bat boys who we all love and adore. And, you know, they've gone through their own shit. They went through the Illyrian camps. People would pick on them. And then it became like the secular thing where people picked on them, but they didn't necessarily pick on each other. So they found a family amongst the boys. And then they were still picked on because they're like, oh, look at them. They think they're better than everybody else because so they just isolate themselves. Well, they were getting picked on the entire time. So, okay. This is not hating or shitting on the back boys. This is just going to turn into um, take that same argument. You could argue and it's being it's happening. Uh, I'll say like the core four in Crescent City um, pre like Earth and Blood. You have Danica, Bryce, Juniper and Fury. They're the core four. I've seen conversations saying like they're the mean girls. They would have intimidated me. And to that, I say, are they intimidating or are you intimidated? So and it's the same thing where maybe if that was the case, maybe a lot of people didn't vibe with them. So they kind of stuck to their own and then they still get shit on for sticking to their own. So it's like as women, you're damned if you do and if you're damned if you don't. And I feel like. That's again, that goes to what you were saying with the Valkyrie, having that that vulnerability and that trust of wanting to find that friendship to 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 carry you through. Jess, do you have a female best friend? You? No, no, oh. not me. In in uh, media. In media. Do you have a pairing that you love in media that just is like it for you? Um well, I always, I'm always going to say Bryce and Danica, but I think from like a write off, like I'm trying to think because I was making notes. Um, there was a couple. I feel like Meredith Gray and Christina Yang on Grey's Anatomy. I know you don't watch medical dramas. I loved their friendship because it felt so real that they were doing, they were doing work together. They were growing. They were growing together and apart at the same time, but like more of a in a parallel way. Um, And they can be direct with each other. I think there's also something to be said that you can't like, I I don't know. I think there's something to be said that people are scared to be direct. Or if you are direct, that can be perceived as like a negative thing or an aggressive thing. And there was just like a mutual respect amongst the two of them that they could be direct and not take it one way or the other. Um, I think there were different friendships in One Tree Hill, which is my favorite show, um, which is interesting because the the women on the show were pitted against each other. They have a podcast out and they talk about like how behind the scenes 
they would like write scenes for them to be pitted against each other and make them to believe to create this narrative that they didn't like each other on set also and they're still friends and they've worked through that professional trauma um one tree hill is interesting because they have catty relationships but they also have like really deep familial female friendships um but again that goes to the discussion of friendships not being linear what about you oh well i i was you know i was thinking about it I was thinking about it, and I really like um, Bones and Angela on Bones. That is, uh, you know, you say I don't like medical dramas. I like that one. That it, oh, and Fringe, <laughs> and Fringe, I guess. Yeah, um, but and yeah, did I, you watch House? Yeah, yeah. I lied. I guess you. <laughs> I'm like, well, oh those, wait, you have all those. these medical dramas. Oh, uh, those. Uh, yeah, I I like Bones and Angela. I think they're a really good like friendship duo. And I really like uh, Anne and Leslie on Parks and Rec. I was going to say that. I have my little Galentine's Day note. Yep. I like, I love them. And uh, what, uh, Tuca and Birdie, of course. And I think what I, I, what I will end with is one of the coolest things that I remember watching as a child was My So-Called Life. I was young. I saw the reruns on MTV. It was fucking awesome. I thought I was watching like a window of like what life could be, would be, you know, like the cool kids. It it felt very obtainable. And the relationship. What's his name? Something Catalano? Jordan. Yeah. Jordan Catalano. <laughs> oh, Jared. Oh, Jared. Um, but the friendship between Angela and Rayanne is just something that blew my mind as a child. But now that I appreciate so much as, as an adult, because like Rayanne is the new friend for Angela that her mom doesn't like and is influencing her and doing, you know, they're doing all these things. And why isn't she still friends with her childhood friend? childhood friend that she grew up with that they had sleepovers with that they've been friends with forever and and that the first season is just about angela finding herself and it is through a deep friendship with new people one of them being um rayanne who you know i think is a duchess in real life um but like the actress who plays her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. But I remember seeing this depiction of friendship between Angela and Rayanne as a child. And it has its ups and downs. Ups and downs. Oh, my gosh. But I remember thinking like, oh, I haven't seen it, but I feel like it's yeah. giving Gossip Girl right now. <laughs> I mean, 90s Gossip Girl. So like <laughs> lots of flannel, lots of bicycles. It, it's it's amazing. Oh, we're in the burbs, right? It's just oh gosh, but that friendship of of the friendship that blossoms when you do ordinary mundane things, when you find the joy and the fun in the mundane life that you're doing, is something. That is very special. And that kind of friendship where you can just have fun no matter what you're doing is rare. And this depiction in my so-called life 
of Angela and Rayanne felt and still does feel one of the most real friendships that I have ever seen depicted on screen. And I am excited, Jess, to (laughs) force you to see it. That's usually, but you know, the good thing about you forcing me to do things is not only just to get me out of my comfort zone, but I wind up finding a whole new thing that I get to love. So I am preemptively thanking you. <laughs> so that being said, uh, feel free to follow us on Instagram. We're at Akafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. Check out Laura's newest, like, thing she posted because she's gonna she's giving you a behind the scenes of like hey bt dubs i deleted tiktok but i'm back (laughs) so um yeah feel free to join us we look forward to hearing from y'all and we'll talk to you soon bye bye